Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Mike, do you know what this is? This is the first time you've done the show in like uh, in like three weeks. Rude, and not at all what I was going for. It started off so well, and then you just you just went into a, the bad neighborhood. That's what you did. It was a bad, a bad neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah, and that's what you did with like flickering street lights and. Uh, this is the first time call. You were correct about that, number. but it is the first podcast of 2019 for bantering the blue shirts. Oh, that's fun. What do you consider, if I see a lot of broken glass and cigarette butts, I consider it to be uh, a troubling neighborhood. Or like, for instance, maybe loose syringes on the street. That would be uh, bullet shells. That would be tr- bad neighborhood signs. Yeah, that that would. that's all like... Um, hyenas chained up as pets. Um... Human meat on display in, in shop windows. That would be bad. Yeah, it would certainly be alarming, like I think. Meat. little human meat. little yeah, human meat. Got an arm up there. Yeah. Um, would you consider... What would you, yeah, let me ask you this question. What would you consider yeah. to be alarming for the New York Rangers? What I would consider to be alarming for the Rangers if... Having the lowest row of any team in the NHL? Yeah, if they think that they can still maybe be a wild card team. Well, I, you know, we've we've gotten some good news from unexpected sources. Elliot Friedman had his 31 thoughts that went up today. And uh, in it, he mentioned that the Rangers were definitely going to sell. It was just a matter of when. So you hear things from guys like that who are in the know, and that obviously gives you a little bit of hope, this glimmer of hope that Jeff Gordon is not going to be – well, let's put it this way. You and I thought about – or we spoke about it. A few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, when the Rangers, I think, were 9-1-1 one, and one, about, listen, this is definitely a mirage, and this team can't think that they're a playoff team. They can't go that way. And I don't. I think we may have had Adam on the show or someone, and we even talked about the potential of the Rangers buying, right, that it was going to be that crazy. And since then, I mean, the Rangers are just a bad hockey team in the same way that we expected them to be a bad hockey team. There's no surprise here. You know what I mean? There's nothing that... We weren't expecting, or we weren't confused, or that we're confused about. I think the one thing that is creating this glimmer of hope is just how fucking bad the Metro is. Jersey's not a playoff team. Carolina's not a playoff team. We expected Philadelphia's not a playoff team. I think you and I thought at least two of those three teams would be fighting for a playoff spot this year. Um, I mean, it's Pittsburgh with 48 points that is sitting third in the Metro. The Rangers have 41 points, and they have a game in hand. So it's not inconceivable, but the flip side is the Rangers need to be smart enough to look at the hockey team that they're putting on the ice and say, no, absolutely not. That is not a team that is going to win in the playoffs. I have a story that's going up tomorrow or Thursday. So today, if you're listening to the show um, today, that's about how the Rangers can't afford. They're not good enough to allow a player like Kreider to walk for nothing at the end of his deal like some people are talking about, where it's like, oh, there's value in a guy like Kreider staying and, you know, 
playing out his deal. No, there's not. Absolutely not. Not for the New York Rangers. They're just not good enough to think that way. And I think it's pretty clear at this point that Jeff Gordon and David Quinn and everybody involved with the New York Rangers knows that, no, this is not a playoff team. It's not even close. If it wasn't for, this is going to be my final part of this rant, then I'll let you speak. If it wasn't for the seven overtime losses, I mean, those seven loser points, the Rangers would be in last place in the Metro, tied with Ottawa. So Yeah, but they're the best losers out there, Joe. They're, they're 100% the best losers out there, for sure. Name me a better loser than the Rangers. Well, they, they lose like the way that a playoff team does in the NHL. If you're going to get your losses, do it in overtime or the shootout, so you oh, get that you point. You know what? Colorado has more loser points, but they're also a winning team. Right. So they're not dedicated to the whole being good at losing thing. I, I'm. What a bunch of fucking chumps! Wow, Colorado anyway. does. Colorado has a very bizarre. They're nineteen, thirteen, and eight. Yeah, isn't that fun? In a division that represents twenty-five, two and two for Winnipeg, and twenty-four, fifteen and two for Nashville. Well, they're two, five, and three in their last ten. Something is something's gone wrong. Yeah. So well. So, Michael, your thoughts on where the Rangers sit right now and where we expected them to sit? It's uh, it's been very fun and interesting. You know, we just watched them beat the Predators in Nashville and the Blues, a team they were really supposed to beat. Uh, they won not because they were the better team. They won because they had the better goalie. Um, and now the Rangers were recording and during the second intermission of the Rangers-Penguins game. Uh, full disclosure. And Joe, the Rangers are 4-2-4 four, four in their last 10 games, which, uh, you know. It's not four, terrible. It's not terrible, but it, it's it's all those loser points, Joe. Well, and, and how much of it is Lundqvist, the guy who's it's ultimately all, taking this blame? Uh, the underlying numbers are maybe some of the worst that we've seen, at least in a long time. The Rangers um, were shot 40 to 23 by the St. Louis Blues. The St. Yeah, St. Louis me, Blues are walking like a, a mummy that falls apart before it catches you. Yeah, but you, but you know what? Uh, let me tell you what. Shambling mound of flesh, just flesh just sloughing off of the, the frame of the mummy. Let me tell you, <clears throat> whoa, I almost choked. Let me tell you what's, I guess, positive about that. Not a single person, coach or otherwise, looked at that game and thought, no, it's that was a good win. Kreider basically shit all over the victory. Like, we'll take the points, but that was a disaster. And David Quinn apparently was furious with at least half the team. So there's positives there. But Rob Luker brought up a point, former Blue Shirt banter writer. Games 1 through 15... The Rangers had a 47% Corsi and a 49, basically a 50% expected goals for. Game 16 to 38, 44% Corsi, 46% expected goals for. And he says forward injuries did not help, but I think the real story is the defense. Shattenkirk and Clayson are seeing less time on ice, while Stahl and Pianc are seeing more, along with Shea. And it's... It, it kind of circles back to another thing that I wanted to talk about, and this isn't going to be an overly lengthy podcast, but a couple of months ago when David Quinn saw um, Adam McQuaid get injured, you and I were talking about the way that the Rangers were playing, and we said, there's no one, like, what happens when McQuaid comes back? Who are you going to sit? Pionk is putting up points. D'Angelo's playing well. The Rangers as a whole are playing well. 
And the answer is Tony D'Angelo is going to sit. He's sitting tonight for his third time in the past four games. And McLeod was hurt. Well, how is McLeod going to get back into the lineup? Well, tonight he's in for VC. The other night he was in for Heedle. And he's playing. So, you know, I'm almost willing to give a pass on McQuaid because the Rangers probably realize that they have to trade him. They don't have a choice. And it's a wasted asset to keep him around. So this is an opportunity for them to kind of give him some playing time. But I can't think of a single reason why Cody McLeod would be in this lineup, regardless of how much the Rangers tweet out that the team's record is like 11-5 and five with him in the lineup. It just make heads or tails of it for me, Michael, please. There can't be heads or tails made of it, Joe. I'm sorry, honey. It's just, it's It's very, very confusing when... You know, the Rangers have a lot of guys that they kind of do need to showcase. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the UFAs. We're talking about guys like VC and guys like Kreider. Of course, Kreider is getting, you know, lots of opportunity to showcase. But VC's on pace for a career year, just in terms of production. That's worth something. That could be worth a lot for certain teams come deadline day. And VC's the sort of guy where if the Rangers lose him in a trade, it's not like they are losing something they'll never be able to replace again. It's just, you know, he's a he's a third-line winger who can score goals, and he doesn't do a lot else, but he does score a lot of goals, especially at 5-on-5. Five five. It just, I wrote an article about it uh, for the banter, you know, a week or two ago, and, you know, he's right up there with some some pretty interesting names in terms of guys since he's been in the the league that... It's just what he does. He can do it. I mean, don't ask him to do a lot more, and uh, that's fine. But the Rangers have to kind of serve two main objectives. They have to develop their kids and give them an opportunity to play. And they have to kind of showcase and give an opportunity to the guys who can be dealt and serve the team moving forward. That doesn't mean those are the team's only two objectives. Like, we know Quinn wants to win games. We know that Henrik Lundqvist you know, will pull his heart out of his chest and throw it at a player on a breakaway if it means winning a hockey game. Like, the Rangers are still going to try and win, even though they're a flawed machine. Like, you know, they're a car with square tires. They're just, they're only going to go as far as they can before, you know, everything kind of falls apart. And that's what we've seen with this team. It's, it's Lundqvist and whether or not his magic is enough on any given night. And when it isn't enough... The Rangers look awful, but uh, but can when you? He looks mortal. He look, they look even worse. For every for all the faults that we've seen with David Quinn to this point, and you know, I know I've been a staunch defender of his, and I think I'm going to continue to be one until we kind of come to the point where the Rangers are making some trades, and uh, I guess I'm holding out hope that some of what we're seeing right now is still, hey, listen, you know, McQuaid needs to be traded at some point. They're not going to be able to trade him if he doesn't play. McLeod, I think, is a different situation completely but the reality here is do you think it's at least a positive that the rangers are kind of aware of what they are right like we know that david quinn wants to win we're aware that henrik lundquist is kind of the reason why the team is probably not going to be in the discussion for a first or second round or first or second overall draft pick this year but we already knew this team knew what they are joe the problem we have is that this team sat on its sat on its ass and let Leah Anderson be a healthy scratch for a week or whatever it was before sending him to the AHL. The problem is this team sits Tony D'Angelo when they need to figure out if he can be 
an everyday NHL player who can play the right side, especially because there's no reason for Kevin Shattenkirk to be a part of this team anymore. The problem is Cody McLeod's in the lineup for Filipino. Like, this team knows what it is, and we knew that when they wrote the letter. But the execution of this roster and these decisions leads us to believe that things, uh... Things are kind of... It's a, it's a muddled message right now. It's, it's weird, just, right? I mean, like, like I said... You're trying to send a message. You're trying to win hockey games, even though you know you can't. And you're... So you're putting that as your priority instead of being like, Oh, you know, Quinn apparently saw some things he didn't like in Heedle's game. Well, you know, sit down with him the day after Christmas when your bellies are full from, from Christmas ham and mashed potatoes. Green beans. Well, to Talk be fair, we don't know if those things aren't happening, and I think there's a pretty good reason to assume that they They're are. They're not eating Christmas ham, Joe. That's well out of fashion. Because, because Quinn did pretty much say, listen, we're, you know, this is, he wanted to get Heedle back into the lineup, and that was an important thing for him. And um, I, I just, what kind of grinds my gears, if you will, is that I was talking to a friend about the Rangers and just about Quinn and how, you know, I want to get a good read on the guy because I'm not totally sure if some of these decisions are coming from a place of, well, let's just see what we can do right now and let me see what works and doesn't. I know we're not going to win, so, you know, let me use this opportunity to sit Heedle and kind of prove a point to him. And my buddy said, aren't you happy at the very least that he's sitting guys when they're not playing up to his standards, this accountability that you guys have asked for? And I said to him, absolutely. Like, that's exactly what we've wanted really from the beginning was, listen, Heedle and VC and everybody are being held to the exact same standards as older vets and anybody else that you can think of. That's not my problem. Except Mark Stahl. Except Mark Stahl. My problem is that I find myself vehemently disagreeing with the players that Quinn doesn't think are playing well. And yeah, he has an interesting rotating cast in his doghouse, really. It's, uh, it's players that, by and large, we don't want to see there. Argue, the one who's probably the exception is really Brendan Smith, who unfortunately, like one, one way or another, Brendan Smith is going to move on from the Rangers, um, in my opinion, in the next season or two. The problem is, like, how do you, how do you build up any trade value for the guy when he's treated like a seventh defenseman half of the time? And he's, he has the contract he has. Meanwhile, he has the best underlying relative possession numbers in the team. That doesn't mean he's a great defenseman, mind you. But I know he's had a lot of trouble passing the eye test for a lot of folks, but how can you tell me that Mark Stahl has passed the eye test better than Brendan Smith has? I just, I, it hurts my head, Joe. It, it's just hard to get a read on. And that's part of the frustrating aspect of, like, the Rangers aren't good. And I think, again, we, you and I accepted that they weren't going to be good. A lot of fans, at least the ones who could kind of have the foresight, knew that the Rangers weren't going to be good. But there was this expectation of, all right, fine, you're not going to be good, but Heedle needs to be playing and Anderson needs to be playing and all these things need to happen. And, it seems like guys like Howden and VC have gotten really long leashes, and Howden's a guy that I think could probably benefit to sitting. I think he struggled the past three weeks, and I'm sort of being generous with that that timeline. But you're just you're not seeing this again. It's hard because we don't know, and Buchnevich kind of shed some light on it when he was sitting. That Quinn did sit him down. 
had a conversation about why he was sitting, what he was looking for. They went through film together. He explained to him what he wanted to see. Buchnevich went out. He did it. And then Buchnevich was in his good graces. So it's hard to make this argument that, well, Quinn is just doing the AV, right? Like you and I would be rip shit if AV sat Heedle from a cloud. But I think the difference is we know that AV wasn't doing any of that. Hey, listen, this is what I need from you. This is what I want to see from you. He was just kind of rotating guys in and out. But to that point, maybe the tough love isn't working for Tony D'Angelo, who at this point is a completely wasted asset, right? Like, there's no, what are you going to do with D'Angelo? Yeah, he does the Rangers no good. As you, you either play him, and when you when he's played, he's been pretty good. His underlying metrics are not bad. They're and really and not it's, bad. it's there's a lot more scoring chances for both teams. Like he's not a great defenseman in his own zone. But we knew that. We knew but that from the beginning. That, he's 23 years known, old. Yeah, that was known when he was a prospect drafted by another team. That was known by this organization when they acquired him as you know a reclamation project of a prospect. And his underlying numbers in the power play are outstanding. Um, but the Rangers went from Pionk as the power play quarterback to now doing all forwards to now it just seems like I don't know I don't know what they're doing on the power play anymore. It's a it's a carousel. It's a carousel. Broken and, and dreams, it's, Joe. It's the exact flip side with Pionk, who underlying numbers are terrible. I mean, honestly, really probably can't be all that much worse. Pretty bad. Yeah, I was looking at... I mean, top to bottom, maybe one of the worst on the team. He's also 23 years old, but he has 19 points in 36 games. Yeah, I was looking at straight numbers for the NHL and among defensemen, and Pionk is right up there with, like, for guys who have played at least 200 minutes of 5-on-5, Pionk, McQuaid, and Stahl are all up in like the top 15, meaning the bottom 15 in the league. And that pair is still just kind of there. Uh, and it's really, you know, why is McQuaid in the lineup? Well, okay, you do have to feature him like you talked about, but why, I just, I would really like a better idea of what constitutes passing Quinn's kind of, you know, smell test for a guy staying in the lineup. Like, in this game against the Pens, Buchnevich had a brutal turnover that led to a goal. Is he going to get scratched for that? Or is he missing shifts for that? Or Well, he, you know what he did, Michael? He got right back out there in the third period and scored. Oh, yeah, that happened? It did happen. Well, there you go. And, and that's, again, one of the differences. I think... And I've I've made it pretty clear that my the grading curve that I'm using for the New York Rangers and David Quinn is on a much less severe scale than than what I was holding the standard that I was holding Vigneault to because with Vigneault the Rangers were quote unquote going for it and I just think that in my head I look at something like that just like you mentioned Buchanovic had a terrible turnover it led to a goal it's kind of a back-breaking goal because the Penguins had already scored one I think it was actually the third goal that the Penguins scored there was a zero percent chance he would have been out on the ice in the third period or from that point forward Quinn throws him back out there he scores a goal now the Rangers gonna lose today more than likely yes they're gonna lose because yeah a hundred percent but oh wow Canada is out of the world juniors but you know what, Joe? It's the way they lost. Canada's out of the world. Joe. Yeah, told, Finland beat I had, them. I had this sh- the the game on the background, and Joe told me to make less sound, and so that's why I didn't know the Canada game. missed a penalty shot in overtime, and Finland scored the winner. Oh, look at that! Who would have bet that? Anyway, um, Canada losing in the Canada, our home and native land. 
Home and native land. You know, my kitty cat's sitting on my lap right now. What is his name again? Franklin. Oh, that's right, Franklin. Why do you not know my son's name? Oh, Hank is getting pulled. Why he even came out? And then, like, that's another thing. Why did he come out in the third period in the first place? Yeah, why Why do you put Lundquist back out there And after he's already allowed, what was it? It was four to four to one after two. Yeah, this has been know. a very whiny podcast. We've done a lot of whining. A lot of wh- but you know what, Joey? You and I haven't talked in a while. We haven't talked in a while, and this and is what happens. Out, so let's do, let's do let's do some positives, some positive podcasting. Give me something you're positive about for 2019. Uh, I'm just going to kind of steal this from the MSG bro- broadcast the other night of the Blues game, Joe. But uh, oh, it's six to two now, Penguins. That's great. Uh, that's just that's great. Uh, I was positive about. They were talking about how kind of Chris Kreider has kind of reached that 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 what's it called like that uh, that event horizon where he's the guy we wanted to see that puts it all together. And I was looking the other day at some of Kreider's numbers, and they're insane. Yeah, he's on he pace is, for forty goals, yeah, forty three, I believe, and twenty three assists. I cannot believe just how. Like, fun it is to watch Kreider be the guy we all thought he could be. And I know, I know people love Kreider. And he feels like a, like he would fit like a glove as this team's next captain. And I'm all here for it. But you have to get him to a reasonable contract if you're going to extend him. And if you don't extend him, yeah, you got to trade him. But, we but does, a reason- about that yet. Does, does a reasonable contract exist for him at this Maybe. point? I don't know, but we you said positives. I want to mention the goddamn positive. Well, th- I don't think that's a necessarily a negative thing that we're having this discussion. It's it's going to end with tears. It'll all end in tears. I mean, it's but here's the thing. Dreams. You, you need to make a decision on Kreider. You either need to keep him here's or you, you need to Kreider. trade him. Uh, in 38 games, uh, not including tonight's game, he has 13 goals at 5-on-5. Five five. His career high for goals at 5-on-5 five five was 19 in 75 games. And my other, it's another fun, quirky thing about his stats this year, Joe. Only one primary assist at five on five because he's just fucking shooting. He's gunning it, and, and I love that. It, that's what he's here for. The Rangers don't have enough volume shooters, no. and it's, it's one of the reasons really why VC don't. is as valuable as he is to this team. It's another reason why, in the grand scheme of things, you look at a guy like Buchnevich and you're you're just like, damn, I wish he shot the puck more. Because the Rangers Especially don't have volume he shows shooters. Shows us what his shot can do, which is he's capable of like a nasty wrister when he wants to. But he's such a creative pass-first player, like Zuccarello and like Stepan was, where it just you know, and and the the dirty little secret about so many of these offensive defensemen is their real value isn't moving the puck, and that's because even though defensemen are always on top of the league leaders in individual Corsi four at the end of the season they're they're not known for scoring goals except for a handful most of the time they create offense through you know slap passes or just finding someone open or deflections or rebounds and things like that and the rangers just don't have a lot of guys who shoot for volume and that kind of just highlights how badly this team needs to get those young scoring wingers um, yeah, the, I mean, and that's and that's fine. That's, that's fine. it, isn't it? Like Kravstov is a scoring winger. The Rangers don't have many of those in their system. 
Another good thing we could talk about is how good Kravstov looks in the I know show. he's absolutely five points in two game in uh, four games. I think he's tied for the team lead with Russia. He has been easily one of the best players on the ice for for Russia. And I was talking to somebody else like it's been a really long time since I can remember the Rangers having one of the top prospects, like a guy who's literally playing that well in the world juniors and and he's it's happening right now with Kravstov. yeah he's a guy that people are talking about because he's kind of the big deal on russia i mean the other guy is romanov and he's uh, playing he's playing center yeah he's he's not even playing his normal position and he's doing this well yeah i love i him. mean uh can i almost said jt miller k andre miller has the flu i believe but he's playing pretty well as well and he's um, playing off position he's playing right d Niles Lundqvist, he's eating up minutes for Sweden. He scored a goal recently then, Niles Lundqvist. He did. So, I just... There's a lot to be positive of from the prospect side of things. And Kravstov has been an unbelievable story. I I think we've seen, you know, some struggles from Oliver Wallstrom. And it's sort of, I think, highlighted maybe how we could get a little trigger-happy with names and whatnot. And... I have a source who told me that the Rangers were very, very concerned about how much Jack Hughes kind of played a role in how well Wallstrom had done. Maybe that's less the Rangers learned from Ryan Grapp. It's totally possible. Um, But yeah, I mean, Wallstrom has a goal and two assists for the United States in four games. But he has four goals and an assist in 14 Boston College games. Again, very, very early. I mean, we're not, we're talking about... The first, you know, post-draft year of a player, but yeah. you turn around Not and look at. Could be Keandre Miller leading his team as a defenseman in points, and I think freshman defenseman, in oh, outside of Hughes, I believe. I love. I, love I could be talking out of my ass. I don't know, but not everybody can be. Kravstov, who has seventeen points in thirty-three KHL games. It's he's a terrible team. I think yeah, I think he's going to be something special. I really do. And the Rangers look smarter and smarter by the day for picking him. So, bravo to Gordy Clark and crew there. Joe, what did you eat for Christmas dinner? Um, God, what did we eat for Christmas dinner? I think we did prime rib. Oh. What did you do? Uh, I did turkey and uh, twice-baked potatoes. Ooh, twice-baked potatoes. Should we get to questions, Michael? Oh. Sure, why not? Don't. I don't think we have that many because this was kind of a surprise podcast. Oh, I did want to mention. I meant to mention it at the top, but I forgot. I apologize. We've been a little staggered. My my schedule's been a little nuts, and we're actually. Folks, it's um, the holidays. We're doing our best. We're, we're in the final stages <laughs> of a negotiation with. Uh, I'll just leave it at, at, as a third party that I think is going to. Uh, think is going to surprise you. It's going to be something really nice. Really nice for all of you, but you need to wait Real until nice it's... Real nice there, kids. Keep an eye need, out for that. You need to wait until it is uh, finalized. Keep your eyes glued there for the keep your Keep your eyes glued to your Twitter screen. Just listen out with your eyes there. L- take your eye and just listen with your eye. Oh, That's what you need to do. God, no matter um, what do. All right, question number Hold one. On. Before you say anything, I wanted to confirm for you, Keandre Miller is tied with Cooper Zetch of Ferris State. For the lead in points among all freshman defensemen. Wow. 17 and 18 games, Joe. And Cooper Zech, or Zech, has played two more games. And he oh. plays for Ferris State. 
So who cares? Look at that. I mean, Keandre Miller has been an absolute revelation. A lot of people who were like, yeah, wow, the Rangers really reached for this kid. I think um, you said relevation. Are eating their words. Which is not a word. What did I say? I think you said relevation, which is not a word. Revelation. Yeah, that's the word, Joe. Particularly. 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 Jeff D. with Hayes on Fire and today's column on Trade hey, Partners. Jeff. That column ran on Blue Shirt Banter, by the way. Um, what's your ask for him? First round picks are great, but far but from contenders they are late. Do you see him getting a package or swapped for young players? A package. S- so I want the world for Kevin Hayes now. Yeah, but I mean by the same token, I want the world. I, I, I totally, totally understand. And a woman painted in gold. Are you done? Did did you finish whatever it was that you were doing? I want saffron. I truffles. I totally understand where people are coming from. With listen, that's a it's a late first round pick. But the Rangers used one of those late first round picks. I believe it was the Boston selection. Bundles of silk to move up to get Miller, who is now one of the team's top prospects. And, I mean, I I think it's pretty generic at this point that a guy like Hayes will bring back a first-round pick. Um, The hope is that you can get a good young player or a top-end prospect. And by all means, maybe you can. But but the problem that you're going to run into is Hayes is a pure rental. And you have to pay through the nose, and it's the way that it goes, just like uh, Nash was and... Um, you know, even I guess to a lesser extent, Gabrick was, but it's going to be a first round pick more than likely because that's something that teams are expecting to part with for a guy like Hayes. It's Kreider where you can really get the haul, where you can I get. Say this though, really quick, Joe. Um, it's important to remember this. Everyone gets wrapped up in the idea of the first round pick. We have enough data now to understand that a mid to late first round pick has roughly a similar value to like a, a second round pick in the first half of the draft, right? Or the first half of the second round. It's you're not going to hit a lot of home runs picking like 16 and later in the draft. And you're you'll you'll find NHL players there, don't get me wrong. But in a lot of ways you're better served demanding a prospect you want. Um, you know, like like you can think back to the E-Rat for Philip Forsberg trade, right? Where Forsberg was this the best prospect in the Capitals system. Uh, the Predators said, that's what we want, and that's what they got. And that's something to consider, especially with the deadline, is the first-round pick always sounds good, but if you can get the, the prospect you want, that has a lot of value. Well, if you can get the prospect you want, I mean, that's an obvious... Yes, of course, you're going to go for that, but... I, obvious show. I'm not yeah. as I'm not as on team, you know, first round picks because there's an expectancy chart that kind of shows it's basically a, a, a what is it a line graph that shows the curve of like expected NHL games from a first overall pick through the end of the draft and it takes a very very sharp decline starting at around fifth or sixth overall, but the yeah. Rangers. You know, they got and they passed up on some pretty legitimate talent with their later picks in the first round. Now, they got Miller. I think Lundquist was a bit more of a safe bet. But, uh, again, there is value there. But the point that you're making is a point that I agree with, which is if you want and let's prospect A, the hope is your next pick will turn into prospect A. But if you can get prospect A, well... 
guess what? You got exactly what you wanted. And that guy is probably more NHL ready than who you're going to pick yeah, of course. Yeah. In the draft. And that's something important, too, because we can talk until we're blue in the face about how the Rangers are rebuilding, and they are, and that's not something that's up for debate. But the Rangers are definitely going to start gearing towards, hey, we need to be better next year than we were this year. And part of what makes that happen is better hockey players. And Krofstoff will probably end up coming over. Miller may, I doubt it, but I guess he could. Lundqvist is obviously... Wow. It's not going to happen. No, I, I agree with you. It's not going to happen. But it could. Still too new to his position. It could. Let the let the Miller hype just just stay explode. On the yeah, just let it keep building up. But it, the Rangers are going to start having an eye toward these types of of now players, especially if they're going after Artemi yeah. Panarin in free agency. So I, I just think that there's something to the fact that the New York Rangers you still want to sell. You have to. You need to get assets back. That's the name of the game at this point, right? You need to get assets back. That's why you can't let Kreider walk in two years. It's why you can't let Hayes finish out this deal. You need to get assets back for the players that, that have that value. But once you know, you've know you gotten through that, it's about getting what you need out of it. And for Hayes, if it's a first-round pick that's the center of a package and you know you get a good prospect, great. But I don't think the Rangers are going to do a ton of the, you know, the getting back Spooner and Bolesky and a first-round pick and this B prospect for Nash. I don't think you're going to see a ton of that, at least not for Kreider or Hayes. You know what I mean? I mean, you may see something like that for Zuccarello. But again, the Rangers don't have a ton of – none of the people that they're trading are on enormous contracts. So you're not going to have to see teams, especially once the contracts are prorated as we get deeper into the year, really have to fit a guy like Zuccarello or Hayes under the cap especially Kreider. But if the Rangers need to eat salary there, I think they can eat one more deal. You can only have a maximum of three. I think they have two. They have Strom. They have Bolesky. And I don't know if they have anybody else. If they do, they can't. But if you're going to do that, that sweetens the pot too. So, I mean, is Hayes going to bring back a first-round pick? I mean, maybe. Does it diminish the value if the first round pick is in the sixteenth, you know, overall slot? I guess. I guess, Joe. But St- you- Stasny brought back uh, Eric Foley a conditional first and a twenty twenty conditional fourth. But but the hard thing about an evaluation like that is I know I'm just it, I I consider that just context. That doesn't mean it's an equivalent like an equivalency. That's what we should expect. But I feel like there's value in looking at what happened with last year. And, and really, Stasny is the guy that, you know, he's a, he and Hansel are the most, you know, pointed to. Like, oh, well, this is kind of what we could maybe see in the ballpark. I mean, like, it's like Thomas Tatar and what the Red Wings got for him was hysterical. Um, but it's possible. Rangers- NHL GMs make terrible it's trades every single possible. day. I mean, yeah, every day. possible, yeah. So, and you're not, here, here's one other point that I want to make on Hayes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there who are telling me a lot of people they'd rather see, you know, Jeff Gordon wait until the wow. trade deadline because they think that it's going to sort of cultivate this sudden firestorm for Hayes' services. And yes, you will have more frantic bidders late and you will have more teams that are going against one another late. But the problem that you also run into is if you are Jeff Gordon 
and Kevin Hayes is not traded by 11 o'clock on trade deadline day, every single general manager who is talking to him knows he needs to be traded in the next four hours, and that's more than likely reflective in their offers. Remember that when they finally pulled the Ryan McDonough trade, I think the Rangers wanted more than they got, but they took the deal because it was the deal that was on the table. Because Eric Carlson held up the market and those conversations weren't happening until later in the afternoon. So be very careful what you wish for. If there is a good deal for Hayes right now, the same way that Jeff Gordon found a good deal for, um, I'm saying Marion Gabrick, but it's not. It's Michael Grabner with the Devils. A lot of people said, oh, Gordon sold early. No, he didn't. He got a great deal for him. You got to do it when the iron's hot. Joe, you can't shape metal if the iron is cold. Well, the iron, the iron doesn't need to be hot. The metal needs to be hot. Yeah. The iron, the iron of course, is the metal. It needs to be hot. The also, anvil could be cold. Red meat is high in iron. Alex what Khalifa, should okay. benching Heedle be a fireable <laughs> offense? Uh, of course not. Yeah, of course not. That's... It should be a your eyes roll up offense. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean it's a it's a a tongue in cheek question because I know sure Alex, is. but it, I, know, I like it, Alex Khalifa. It, it is definitely He's a, a fine, outstanding young man. It is definitely like Mike said. You roll your eyes. Like, what more can you do? Especially with for Cody McLeod, that's just like when you're a kid and you think you're getting the really good lunchables, like the pizza lunchables. And you just get, and it ends up being the ham and cheese lunchable. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I guess mom doesn't love me all that much. Right. So I uh, just because it's not at this point, it's not just Heedle. It's Heedle. I mean, to a lesser extent, VC. It was Buchnevich. Right now, it's D'Angelo. There's a lot of things going on that I, I think we were hoping we would not be seeing come January. And a lot of it is problems that. Gordon created for himself, and Quinn has uh, perpetuated. Well, right. That's the if. And that Joe is why I will continue to be the cynical one when we talk about David Quinn. If McQuaid is not traded for, then this is not an issue. But it it happened, unfortunately. So do you? Oh, I want to ask you a fun question. Do the Rangers get back more, less than, or equal to what they gave up to get McQuaid? So do, do they do better than a fourth-round pick? Jeff? No, I don't think they will. Isn't that fun that they won't? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance that they will. I, I just, I don't see... I consider that to be a real hoot. Yeah, I, I and listen, if, if the Rangers got him for, hey, listen, we're going to take his leadership, but you know, then we're going to trade him and everything's going to be fair and equal, that's a stupid, stupid reason. I mean, a really stupid reason to trade for a guy is to make this insinuation, you know what I mean, that, oh, we'll get back the pick that we traded for him, so who cares? And it does certainly seem like there's a little bit of, I guess, maybe hand-wringing about the trade, because you're even getting beats now who are like, well, we don't really understand you know, what the point was, and all the people who are defending it, like, well, you guys are overreacting. It's just a fourth-round pick. Well, it's not just a fourth-round pick. No. Because now it's Tony D'Angelo sitting in the press box, and that's a problem. Or Frederick Clayson sitting in the press box, and he was 
Like the the beautiful found like it's like walking on the street and finding a diamond watch. Was and is. I mean what honestly was and is. Yeah. He still is one of the better players for the New York Rangers, at least in terms of defense. In terms of free agent signings. Right. Just bang for a buck. He's probably the best of Gordon's tenure, especially in recent history. But has he found a better, not not an undrafted college free agent signing, but another like bargain bin guy? Like, Peary was fun, and he's having a fun little uh, renaissance, but the Rangers didn't use him, right? That's literally the story of our lives. That is the story of the Rangers' lives. Is hey, we got this guy, but you know, they're yeah, not really uh, using Jonathan him. Jonathan Marchessault right. uh, was a guy who slipped through the Rangers organization. That was fun. Ugh. Come on, that's awful. Um. All right. Well, final question. Final question, Joe. From Jason Silberman, how do you rate Stahl's play of late? Um, he's trying really hard. And I'll say this of Mark Stahl. Uh, I don't say that, like, I'm sure many people uh, might have, pers- like, taken that as me being a, a wise-ass. Like, oh, he's trying really hard, God bless him. But he plays really hard. He does play hard. He's a guy you watch and you're like, he's doing everything he goddamn can. The problem is he's just not the same player he was um and and it's beginning to look like he was never really the player that the rangers gave that contract to um and that's fine we can't judge him too harshly by his contract what we can judge is that he is literally the only defenseman on this roster who has not been scratched um and in and of itself that is uh that is eyebrow raising but he's also, Joe, he's just not very good. Of late, like, he has a couple moments with the eye test where he'll make a good play. Um, but it's often directly tied to there is a defensive breakdown and Mark Stahl found a way to salvage it. Like, you know, you know he, he drove, drove his car out of the driveway with the door open and he hit the brakes just before snapping his door off in uh, against the garage wall. It's like, oh, great great job not breaking the door, but maybe do a better job in the first place. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been terrible. For what we no, expected out of Mark Stahl, he hasn't been terrible, right? No, he hasn't been terrible. And that's like a weird way to put it, but uh, he hasn't not been terrible, terrible. by the expectations. The problem is, well, there's a lot of problems. He's tied to the Rangers' worst pair. Um, and Stahl, like if we, like a, a very popular way to, to measure defensemen is their goals for percentage, meaning were they on the ice when a lot of bad things happened? Stahl is negative one, or at least he was right now. So 26 goals for it, five on five, 27 against. And that's, that's something. I mean, he's almost even. How bad can it really be? Right. But his possession numbers just... 43.63 Corsi 4. And when we look at the relative Corsi, it gets, as you can imagine, because of the Pionk Stahl pairing, like it doesn't do him any favor. His relative Corsi 4 goes down to, what was it? Negative 1.93. So the worst on the team right now, surprise, surprise, is Pionk. After him right now is McQuaid. Then it's Stahl. Then it's Brady Shea. The best on the team, as I said earlier in the show, is Brandon Smith, Joe. 
4.32 relative core C4. Mm-mm-mm. It just, it, it, it vexes me, Joe. It puzzles me. It confounds me. And again, why, like, especially on a game like tonight where the Rangers are getting blown out of the water because their defense is as terrible as it is, why is Tony D'Angelo not playing? I mean, honestly, you can't tell me that he has been any worse than any of these players. Any of them. I mean, honestly, any of them. Outside of Clayson, any of them. Yeah, I would. Clayson, to me, has not just been, like, the most pleasant surprise of this season. Other than, you know, I would say like Howden has been a great surprise, even with, you know, he's, like you said, I agree, he could he could do with watching a game, you know what I mean? But uh, that doesn't change to me that, like, Clayson has just been this amazing find that the Rangers have made where he's an RFA, like, it, it's all upside and silver linings, and it's great, but, like, if McQuaid wasn't here, we could celebrate it all the more because there wouldn't be two extra D NHL level D who are here. But that's the situation we have now because of that D'Angelo gets shafted and Brendan Smith doesn't get an opportunity to kind of showcase what he can do, which means the Rangers can't escape this, this mess they made for themselves. I mean, it's seven two right now against the Penguins. If you needed any reminder of of just how far away the Rangers are this year from any type of, of contention or this belief that they're going to be good. That's all you needed to know. That's it. 7-2. And the Penguins aren't even that good. You know what the PDO of the pionk stall pairing is, Joe? 100 billion? 102.5. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I wonder why that is. Uh, I give you a clue. It's a, it's a Henrik Lundqvist, Joe. Is it a Lundqvist? It's a Henrik Lundqvist. You know what I have to say to that, Michael? What do you have to say? Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas. Eric Carlson? 50. I know. It's, well, it's spelled with a C. And actually, it's E R I K C A R L S S O M. Ah. Yeah, I know. It's it's pretty. It's intense. You, you thought for a minute it was the guy. You know what? Um, I still like him. Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, fit, uh, guy from Montana. Excuse me, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all Thomas so Osa. much. Thomas Osa, I wish you a happy New Year for being a Patreon. Supporter. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Um, yeah, I just... Thank you all. I'm sorry this podcast is shorter. Like I said, we're trying to... It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah, and we, got, we got something on the stove. We, we have something on the stove. There's been some negotiation that's been going on back and forth. And, and it's not ready for dinner, so you guys have to eat like a little... We're, we're, we're going to be excited about it. I'll tell you that right now. Sandwich. We're, we're going to yeah, be very excited sandwich. about it. Um, very but. Good. You, you gotta wait until it's until it's ready. So you gotta wait for the ham sandwich to be. You got you got the ham is cooking. You don't want to eat raw ham. No, that's raw pork. I'm a whale. Good night, everybody. <laughs>